Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Deep Drive podcast. Uh, we're here for episode 61. Uh, we're halfway through the season at this point. Um, you know, a lot of things going on with, you, you know, teams starting to become kind of fill into those buyers and sellers roles. We still have some teams in the middle. Uh, we'll talk about those for sure. The all-star rosters were finalized. There are a couple guys who obviously may not go on to pitch or hit in LA because of either injuries or for pitchers, you know, there's some guys who are pitching Sunday, Saturday, won't be able to pitch in the all-star game. Um, but we'll talk about snubs, some guys that we thought absolutely should have made it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of uh, delve into all of that. But, you know, first off, um, James, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine. Uh, okay, so if we're looking down the list of things like that, it kind of happened since last time we recorded. Uh, we've seen all-star rosters uh, come out fully. Last time we went over who we think should make the all-star team. Um, I had those somewhere. I never actually like made the graphics that I was going to make. But um, just generally speaking, I think we had like a consensus that Ty France should start the all-star game for the American League at first base. And he didn't even make the team. Not even... And then just now it was announced like Corey Seager would make the team over him as well, which is another one that I just don't understand really. Um, but I think since then things have changed. Like Ty France has, you know, I guess you could call him a snub, but at the same time, like I also think that he's been quite overrated by like the general public um, as far as how good he's actually been this year. I don't think Vladimir Guerrero deserved it over him, but you know, he's eighth in the league uh, at his position in F4. Like, guys ahead of him, uh, Luis Arias and Jose Abreu are both in the American League, and you can only pick two guys from the AL. I think Abreu was actually a bigger snub than France. I know Abreu hasn't been the most consistent, but, like, since the end of May, he's probably been the best first baseman in the league, uh, in the American League at least. So, I don't know. I think um, – I think people are overreacting to some of these snubs. Uh, Rodon was a big one, but he made the team eventually. So I think that's that's huge for him. He deserved it 100%. Um, I think the biggest remaining snubs are actually um, Abreu, like I mentioned, and then uh, Zach Wheeler and uh, Kevin Gosman. I don't know how Gosman missed the team. It doesn't actually make any sense because um, – you know, if you want to make the argument, I wrote this in an article, so I could pull that up. But if you want to make the argument that these pitchers should be chosen based on, you know, their their war, uh, not their war, because uh, that's the argument you can make in favor of Gosman and Wheeler. But if you want to say that you that these guys should have made it because of their ERA, Gosman wasn't like even close to the worst in the ERA. He was, oh, I mean, he was close. He was third, uh, third to last in the ERA among the pitchers who made it in the American League. And then Wheeler in the American League was, and the National League was sixth out of uh, eight. Um, but these guys both lead their leagues in FIP. And then Rodon was second. So the, the top three guys in the entire league uh, in FIP didn't make the team originally. And FIP is a stat that generally, even if you don't believe in advanced stats or you don't like really value them, that's one that you would, uh, that's one that they value anyways. So, I just don't think that made very much sense. 
Yeah. And, you know, we saw Cole make the team. So clearly ERA wasn't the number one thing here. Um, And that's not for me to sit here and say that Cole's an awful pick for the all-star game, just that there has to be more consistency with pitchers. I think we don't see that same level of consistency. Like how did Rodon not originally make the roster? Like what justification was there not to put him on the roster? Um, You mentioned Gosman, right? Like what justification is there for Gosman not to be on the roster for Wheeler? What justification is there? Right. Um, And then, and then for Dylan Cease as well, who's a guy I forgot to mention, is Dylan yeah. Cease has been undoubtedly better than Nestor Cortez this year. Um, especially, like, Cortez is kind of, you know, he was off to a great start, and so, and he's a fan favorite. But at the same time, like, you got to actually look at the full body of work here and realize, like, Cortez's last few starts is not really – he's not shown up. He's not been the same. Um, I think between Gosman and Cease, those spots – that spot that went to Cortez definitely should have gone to one of them. Um, I would I would lean Gosman, but Cease is a guy who like he has such a low ERA, it doesn't make any sense why he didn't make the team. And then uh, Wheeler, like, and and I understand that some of these guys made the team because they're their only guy. Like the Reds, Luis Castillo, he he had to make it unless you want to go Brandon Jury, which you can make the argument for. But a guy like Max Freed, like they uh, they tend to favor your players with low ERAs but right but Zach Wheeler has a lower ERA than Max Freed um and Max Freed made the team ahead of him and then if you want to make the argument that Wheeler hasn't thrown enough innings because he missed a couple starts at the beginning of the year how did Clayton Kershaw make the all-star team um I think Kershaw should have been the one left off generally but at the same time like it's in LA it's kind of a like it's it's at Dodger Stadium it's more of like a legacy pick than this year pick, even though Kershaw has been great this year. Uh, I just, I just think however you argue that the MLB should pick their all-star teams, Zach Wheeler, Kevin Gosman, Carl Jordan should have all been all-stars from the beginning. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I you, you touched on a little bit with Ty France, right? In no world is Ty France more deserving than Jose Abreu right now. I actually like literally did not look at Jose Abreu's stats. So some White Sox fans commented on my Twitter that, um, he had missed the team and they're like, Hey, look at his stats. And it's like, Oh wow. Yeah. I think a lot of people kind of forgot of myself included, obviously here, Francis stats post injury have not been great. Now, whether that's because of injury or not, we're not talking about true talent level for players. We're talking really a lot about production for the all-star game. Right. So if we want to argue true talent, that's just not an argument you're going to make for an all-star game, especially for an all-star game selection. If we go out based on true talent, your all-stars are, you know, DeGrom is making the all-star team. Tatis is making the all-star team. You know, like, we're not making a true town argument here. It's a production argument. And I think it's really unfair that the, that the way that pit, pitchers especially, because at least you can get it with position players. That's fan voting, right? You can see how fans influence that. You know, it's popularity, whatever. Pitchers are selected by, you know, Major League Baseball, by coaches. How they can't get it right is beyond me because these are people in the game, right? There should be some sort of consensus, some sort of consistent uh, approach to picking all-stars so we don't have these awful snubs i'm not saying you know it has to be perfect or i have to 100 agree with it because there are guys who are like by the smallest of differences deserve like ornado versus machado they're like a neck and neck in terms of wins of our placement if ornado got picked it's not that big of a deal but 
you know, like Rodon and not having, like not having Cease in the roster, but having Cortez in the roster, that's a bad miss right there. Or not having Gosman on the roster and having Cortez in the roster, that's a bad miss, right? Like that's objectively a bad miss. And even picking relievers, like you couldn't, you picked Gregory Soto as a Tigers reliever. Is that really the best pitcher you can pick from the Tigers? I mean, you could have arguably gone with Scooball. You could have gone with Joe Jimenez. Like, there's so many different guys you could have gone with. They, they're so unbelievably bad at picking all-stars. It's, you know, beyond me. Well, I think the problem with the guys like the Tigers is that you need somebody from that team and uh, you need relievers on the roster. And there's not a lot of deserving relievers. I think Devin Williams probably should have made it um, in the National League. He's been probably the best reliever in baseball over the past like couple of months now. Um, I think the narratives around pitchers can also influence the way that uh, all-stars are picked, though, even though it's not picked by the fans. I think they can still influence it. Uh, just the way that like Cortez made it because he's a fan favorite. And like you heard a lot about him in the beginning of the year because he kind of came out of nowhere. You didn't expect this from him, right? Nobody really like thought that this was going to happen. But um, with a guy like Abreu, like uh, you look down at his numbers on May 15th and he's hitting 197 with a 69 WRC plus. Um, and, you know, that's when people, I mean, like in the middle of May, I think it's more so June, but in the middle of May to the beginning of June is when people start talking about like, oh, this guy's going to be an all-star or this guy's not. And I think at that point, Abreu was just kind of like not on anyone's radar. And for that reason, he didn't really get the recognition he deserved. But I'd, but since May 16th, he's hit 359, 442, 565. That's the slash line with a 190 WRC plus he's been the best first baseman in the American league, obviously Goldschmidt's been better in the national league, but um, there's not really an argument against him other than the fact that he had a slow start, but you're going for the full body work, not just the consistency. And um, I think that that's where they struggle to pick these guys. Um, but, you know, the automatic bids, I think it's cool that every team gets an all-star. I think I actually like that. I know a lot of people are against it because they think that it takes spots from guys who are more deserving. And that might be true, but I think it's fun that uh, every team gets an all-star. It keeps more fans engaged. uh, I think for those like small market teams that kind of like they suck this year, but at least they can say like, Oh, this guy's playing in the all-star game. I want to like, I want to see him play because he's one of our guys. Right. And, you know, I'm looking at a team like the Cubs, which, you know, it's my, it's my favorite team, but, We've got two guys in the all-star game and they're both definitely deserving. Uh, neither of them are ma- made it off of like, oh, they need a guy because Contreras is um, obviously is the best catcher in the league so far this year. And then uh, Hap has been great. I think they're both going to get traded, but we'll see. Um, but if you look at a team like the Tigers or the A's, especially Oakland, where um, Oakland traded away uh, or not traded away, they're, they're, they trade away their whole roster this offseason they're going to trade away Montas probably but Blackburn might be a guy they keep um so I think it's interesting that he made the team over Montas even though uh Frankie Montas was probably more deserving um same goes for the Tigers where you said school could have made it I think that would have that would have been great uh he's young you know he's a fun lefty I like to watch school pitch but uh you can't have the entire all-star team be starting pitchers you need relievers out there too and so I think for that reason Soto was picked ahead of him but you know, who knows? Who knows what their philosophy really is? Yeah, I mean, I don't hate the, you know, run rule, one rule thing. I just think that they could get a little bit better at picking them and kind of be a little more strategic there, um, you know, but that's a nitpick. I think for the most part, you know, the all-star game, they, there are some bad misses for sure, 
but I think some people get riled up over some misses that really they shouldn't get riled up over um, because they're not really misses. They're just slight statistical disagreements. Um, you know, it's really, but I, I still think there needs to be a, you know, the fan voting process, like the, the fact that Alvarez isn't starting in the all-star game, I think Altani absolutely, you know, he's probably the MVP right now if the season ends, but they have to know that Otani is going to get voted in as the DH and also, but you know, he's getting voted in as a pitcher as well. Like they, like, I don't think anyone could sit back and say, yeah, we had no idea Otani was going to win the DH vote. Like you knew he was going to win a DH vote, but he's not necessarily just a DH. We know he's more than a DH. So I think restricting your ability to vote for him to only the DH spot or not giving Alvarez an, out, an ability to get outfield votes is really dumb to me. That was very much like it should be Otani starting in the AL if they wanted him to play so bad. I mean, I think McLean had to start the All-Star game. That's just my preference. I think um, you're going to get Otani starting the All-Star game on the mound. Probably. But I really, I really think Alvarez should be eligible as a, as an outfielder. Right. Stan, Stanton was, and he's played less in the outfield than Alvarez. So, you know, it doesn't matter now because Alvarez isn't going to play anyways. But, um, like it would have been cool for him to have like the All Star starter thing, I guess, on your resume. Like that doesn't actually make a difference to anyone. Like, you're an All Star, you're an All Star, and if you're not, you're not. Like it doesn't really, like starting or not, no one remembers that twenty years down the line when we're looking at your Hall of Fame case, but. You know, at the same time, uh, it, it's nice, I guess. I think Starling Marte making the All-Star team was criminal. Uh, making it or not making it? Did he, did he, I know he, he made it. No, he made it. Oh. Um, he's it's that bad. He's 10th among National, National League outfielders in war. Um, yeah, but they're looking at the bat. And also, that's F-War. Like, I'm pretty sure our war views him very differently, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, but I think Nemo has been just far and away better than him. Oh, Nimble didn't make it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's bad then. Yeah, no, because there's, if there's a better outfielder on your very on your own you're team. on your own team, right? Yeah. Like they're teammates, and Nimble's been the better one, and Marte made it over him. Yeah. I think that's, you know, and he's he's tenth. You know, guys ahead of him, Profar was never like Profar, Varshell, Lux. Like those guys aren't going to make the All Star team because you know they're not like flashy. Because you know a guy like Kyle Schwarber may have less WAR than Gavin Lux, but Schwarber has 25 more homers. So, um, you know, it's the All-Star team. You got to pick the guys who are going to be, like, the most interesting to watch, too. It's, it's about marketing your game. And yeah, I, I will say, though, um, it's like I, I know that we're looking at fan graphs, um, but on baseball reference, Nimbo and Marte do have the same war, and Marte has a better OPS+. Plus. So I can kind of understand if, like, you're just a casual van, fan kind of picking outfielders, how you end up picking Marte over Nimbo. But that um, was – that's not the fans because these are backups. The backups got picked by the oh. managers. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Then Okay. No, you're right. I mean, but then again, it's, it's offense. Like, I – I think the tough thing with defense is we don't know what teams are looking offensively. So like, we may be like, Oh, look at his outs above average and his F war and teams are like, probably just care about offense and they're not for the all-star game. And they're probably picking on offense and like, you know, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the, the way the manager pick works is that they is, is that the manager of the team picks, not like, like the manager of the all-star team picks, not like, it's not like a voted right. on thing. So I think it's literally Dave Roberts pick Starling Marte over Brandon Nemo. Yeah, I mean, again, I just I, I look. I don't know how the I, I'm. I'm just saying, like, I don't know what the process is. I can like I can see it with guys who like have slightly better or close to better offensive numbers. How they get in over other guys just because defense. We really I don't think is easy to quantify, especially for outfielders. But 
I do think Nimmo should have at least made the all-star team. I, I think we can both agree there that he absolutely should have. I'm just not going to get too upset over it because again, offense is like the king here. Um, but you know what? If we're going to say offense is the king here, Alvarez made it over Otani. So and as a DH spot. So again, this is just a lot of inconsistency uh, with how they pick. And, you know, baseball's always had this with awards and, and all-star games. This isn't new to this year. I think people sometimes act like this is new, but this isn't, this is an every year thing with awards, with anything that ever is voted on with baseball, there's inconsistencies on how it's voted on. Um, so uh, I don't know. I think the all-star game with Nimmo and Marte, it's a matter of just offense. They just pick based on offense. And I think there's like an argument there that, you know, who really cares about defense in the all-star game? But at the same time, if you're not, like, going to look at the full, like, what the what the player's done on, like, a full body of work, I just don't know. I don't know how you could justify that. Because there's certain guys who then, in that case, would just, like, never make the all-star team. They just can't. Right. Um, we, Like, a guy like Tommy Edmond, who, you know, won 10 diversity-plus type hitter, but he's, you know, he's uh, second in the National League in war uh among shortstops he's only trailing Swanson Swanson's like far and away been the best shortstop in the National League this year um and then you and then you go Edmund Turner so Turner's starting and then Swanson's backing him up right so Edmund and Lindor both didn't make it uh who are the next two well I guess Edmund's ahead of Turner but you know Turner's a Dodger so he's going to get more votes like that the same way that the Canadian players in the American League are getting a ton of votes because um they have a whole country voting for them. And then uh, a guy like Edmund, you see, I guess you could call it a quote unquote snub. He wasn't like technically a snub because of the way that you look at it. Like once the fans voted in Turner, you had to go Swanson or Edmund, you couldn't go both. And so they went with Swanson and that makes sense. But uh, Edmund is, I think he's the highest award player, not to make the all-star team position player. Um, but we'll see. We are get uh, there might be some news breaking during this pod about what. So Jack Sawinski is getting a lot of hugs around the Pirates clubhouse after today's game. If you aren't aware, he was traded, I believe, in the Padre in a deal with the Padres. And this is interesting because Sawinski's a rookie. Um, he's 23. He has a 101 WRC plus the major league level. He's kind of come down to earth after a hot start, but he's a pretty good defender. I, where could he possibly be going? I mean, this is a rookie, right? Like, where where would he be going? I mean, I don't know. That's well, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I would be very. I would prefer trades not happen right now per se, so that we can actually, you know, have some time to think about it. But I, I feel like this is like a weird year for buyers and sellers if you think about it, because how many teams are going to sell necessarily? Like we know, okay, you know that you know the Royals are going to sell, the Tigers are going to sell, you know, teams like that, you know, uh. A's, you know, uh, out West Diamondbacks, Rockies aren't really, they've never really been quote unquote sellers. They always kind of hold, they just do nothing at the deadline. They're always weird. Cubs are sellers. Uh, Pirates are sellers, I guess, but what do they have to sell of in Quintana? And I guess Sawinski, um, you know, we know certain teams are selling, but there's a lot of like mediocre teams that are in the playoff mix because of that third wildcard spot. I think of the white Sox in any other year, would be selling right like without the third wild card they are absolutely out of it no chance of making the playoffs they're selling cleveland i think, out of- I think they're gonna stand pat i think the white Sox are just gonna stick it out i don't I think, think they th- buy i don't think they sell i think that'd be terrible for them like they should trade jose Abreu. they should trade you know 
AJ Pollock if they can get any value for him. Right? Like they should not be st- like I think standing pat the deadline is probably the worst thing you can do because you gain nothing, right? You you there's nothing for you. I think there are Dude. certain teams that can stand pat and get away with it. You know, you look at a team like, you know, the Yankees, what are they going to actually go out and buy? I think they right? actually have quite a, like, I think if the Yankees don't go out and buy, they're, they're not being like, you or can't. Houston, who's Houston going to buy? Contreras? Like. If Houston gets Contreras, that team is like, un, that team is, who's beating that team with Contreras? And I think one thing you can look at with Contreras and Maldonado is like, yes, Contreras is the much, much, much better player. But I think Houston values Maldonado the way he treats their pitchers. Like he's, their numbers with him are much better. Uh, you look at the Cubs, and this is an argument against Contreras' strain value, but um, the Cubs pitchers have like an ERA that's like three runs higher with Contreras behind the plate than Gomes. Uh, I don't know if you can like, I don't know if that's fully Contreras' fault. Like there's obviously some, variation there that you can't just blame on the catcher but when it's that drastic and it's over a half a season sample size you can kind of start looking at it and go like oh wow you know these pitchers they they might not be comfortable with him back there he's not stealing enough strikes he's not calling pitch as well like there's there's clearly something going on here that's leading him behind the plate giving up more runs that is true, but I will say, I mean, maybe it's a smaller team with better pitch calling or maybe just better fucking pitching talent uh, can work it out. Uh, if the Astros aren't interested in Contreras, that tells you all you need to know. If they are interested and they do end up getting him, like that means that one, they don't think the value for Maldonado is there to warrant not upgrading at catcher. And you can always make Maldonado back up a personal catcher, whatever that may be. Um, if Contreras is, and also remember the, the white, the Astros might need a first baseman. Gurriel has been awful, 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 awful to start the year. Um, like if they were to get a guy like, let's say Jose Abreu, I'm thinking just a, that's a good first baseman right there. Um, that seems a lot better. Right. And you also think Abreu Crawford boxes, that's a nightmare, uh, for opposing pitchers. You know, the Yankees Severino is going to be on the 10 day. I almost likely Tyon has been struggling lately. Luis Castillo is very clearly at least their second best pitcher, like very clearly. If he would be a Yankee, that's a huge swing in the playoffs to get a much better starter starting game two. Um, that's a starter. Uh, you that- think Castillo's out there on game two for the Yankees? Yes, absolutely. I think Luis Castillo is closer to a top 10 pitcher than Luis Severino is. And I also think, like, I think Severino's good. I think he's pretty good. Um, I think he's actually really good. But I think of it from like a, like, who do you think is more likely to be on the mound in October? Like, active roster who's more likely to be on that mound um yeah i mean if you're talking about a a health thing then obviously castillo severino's been yeah not not just that but like you know castillo's castillo has been and i know outside of what the start of last year really he's been what a consistent top 10 pitcher in baseball pretty easily like he's been really freaking good for a pretty decent amount of time um, I, I just, I don't really see why you wouldn't want to at least explore that option. Also for the Yankees, I guess Aaron Hicks has been playing late, better lately. He's also got a shin contusion right now, but he'll be a bone contusion. He'll be hopefully fine. Um, but, you know, if Ian Happ's available, I, we're going to argue Ian Happ isn't better than Aaron Hicks as a baseball player. Oh, he is. Right. Like, I think way better. for the Yankees and Astros, it comes down to, hey, we're really fucking good right now. We're, those are the two best teams in the, in the American League. Like, if those two teams don't match up in the American League Championship Series, something has gone horrifically wrong for the two teams. Um, it would be a massive upset. Like, this isn't like 
last year where yes, the Red Sox beat the Rays, but it wasn't like a groundbreaking, like life-changing upset. If the Astros were to fall to Minnesota or Boston or Tampa or Toronto, I'd be stunned. If the Yankees were to fall to Minnesota, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, considering how they, I mean, Toronto, Toronto's interesting. Toronto, I wouldn't say I'd be stunned for them. I, would, I, I would wouldn't be surprised like, if Boston knocks off the Yankees. They have it. No, I'd be surprised. Boston sucks. Boston's very bad. I think Boston's. I think Boston's really good. They've been. I'm, I'm joking. They're, they're they've bad. been one of the best teams in the league for the better part of three months now. They got yeah, up they, to a really slow start. I think. I think Boston will surprise people. I'm tempted to pick them to win the American League. I'm not going to, but they might win it. They're stacked. Their their offensive, like their their lineup is loaded. Are you there? Uh, yeah, my internet went out, but um, I think I know I, I'm when I'm being like, I'm not I'm being 100% serious, though, when I say like Boston's like a 90 plus talent win team, in my opinion, like I think they're a good team don't like 100%. I do think, however, that the team that I think least scares me in that American League East is strange enough Tampa. Like Shane Boz is out right now. I don't know if you saw he has an elbow issue again. That's very, very bad for their pitching depth. Um. Elbow issues are not good at all. An elbow sprain is really, really bad. Considering he had shoulder issues, elbow issues, all these issues, like these are not good signs for a pitcher who relies on velocity and is trying to come back from a second injury. I don't see how he comes back fully healthy as a starter. He's going to be at least out for the next month in terms of not even picking up a baseball. So to build up your throwing program, you have to throw for a month after. So he might not be back until mid-September. And at that point, is he going to be ready to start games for the Rays down the stretch, meaningful games with playoff implications and division series on the line with how many home runs he's been giving up, how easily he's been getting barreled, how quickly he gets knocked out of starts because he can't go deep into games, right? Like their number one is McClanahan. I think he's the best pitcher in baseball this year. But who's the number two? Who's number three? Who's number four? The line I mean, I guess, I guess you go Corey Kluber as your number two. But he's very average. This year has been solid, but he's not like – I would say he's closer to Jamison Town than he is to a number two starter. Oh, I think for Boston, sure. I think Boston would pretty – not pretty easily, but I think Boston and Tampa – Boston when they're not like, – because they, they have a lot of COVID issues right now, and they're – you know, of all these hurt, and I don't think that's going to – like he's going to be back soon. Um, they've lost a, a lot of one run games. Boston's very strange in that manner where they've been stretched thin in the bullpen because they're calling on so many of the relievers to be starters when they shouldn't be starters. I think if you give me a playoff rotation, um, you know, what well, I guess there are three at that point. Uh, good low, good lord, I don't even know Pavetta? Who, point. who it'd be Nick Pavetta, I think. Pavetta, yeah, Pavetta's okay. You know, he's all right. Three and four starters, but they have like a really good one and two, and that's better. Yeah, than I mean, like with you, you look down one and two. I think you could make an argument that Sale and Evaldi are better than Severino and Cole as a one-two. I don't think that's the truth. I don't think that's. I think Evaldi is uh, very close to Sever, very close to Severino two talent wise, and I think Cole is clearly better than Chris Sale. Like, I mean, yeah, Cole's definitely better than Sale, but I just think I think I think I'd take Evaldi over. Uh, Severino, but I would not. I'm telling you right now, like Severino taking Severino. I mean, again, if we want to use like playoff resume, Sale also absolutely fucking stinks in the playoffs. He has like a right. six ERA. Like it's weird. I mean, I mean, Cole Cole hasn't been great in the playoffs either. Last he has a two nine two ERA in the playoffs. To be fair, in uh, Houston, I mean, he did have that dominant play. He did have a very dominant 
2020 playoff run with the Yankees. So let's not, let's not, let's not trip a little bit, you know, he, and I, I think the thing about the Rays though, like, I think you discount, this happens every year. We look down the roster, like, oh, these guys are nobodies, but like Drew Rasmussen is a three, one ERA. Uh, Jeffrey Springs is a two, five ERA. Like these are guys who, you know, they're not, they're obviously not, they're not household names. They're not Luis Severino. They're not uh, Garrett Cole, but you know, McClanahan is, been better than Cole this year. I think he's been he's the best pitcher in baseball right now. Like right right now this year, best pitcher. You think full stop? He's better than Alcantara this year? Absolutely. True talent wise, yes. Not better this year in terms of production. I think Alcantara is the best pitcher this year production wise. But in terms of like true talent, like stuff, all that, all those things incorporated, I don't really see how you could say McClanahan isn't better than everyone else unless you want to make the argument like Burns you want to see a little more from McClanahan because how good Burns was last year and how good Burns still is I get that 100% um you know I, I think we're reaching a point with McClanahan where his stuff is just so so good like his stuff is ridiculous and so like right now I think McClanahan is the odds on favorite to win the Cy Young absolutely yeah I, I, I'm talking about Vegas odds so yeah it's him and then it's Verlander and then it's Otani and so like in the American League, I think if you if you end the season right now, McClanahan, like you know, he's he's a Ray, but he's got 110 innings to his name. Like he's not, he hasn't like had a volume issue at all, which is one thing you have to look at when you're looking at Tampa is because like these other guys, you know, Rasmussen's made 14 starts, but he's only thrown 66 innings. He's only averaging like four innings to start, 4.5, I guess. Um, Kluber, 88 innings, 17 starts. That's like. Uh, well, and that's another guy's averaging five innings to start. But if you look at McClanahan, he's 110 over uh, 18 starts. So, you know, that's over six innings to start that you're looking at from McClanahan. Um, he's going deep into games. He's not giving up runs. He has really, really, really good advanced numbers. And that's the argument you would make for him over, um, over Alcantara with Miami. Because Alcantara is obviously, he has like the, same ERA, more innings, but less strikeouts. Uh, I think I think more walks. But like, I've always favored a guy like Alcantara who goes, you know, he's he's been actually unbelievable, like with just the pure volume that he's put up. He hasn't thrown less than seven innings in what since May eleventh. It's twelve starts in a row, more than seven innings with a one point two feet, one point two four ERA. That's fucking crazy. That you like you don't see that he's done three complete games, he's gone eight innings three times on four times on top of that. So seven out of his last twelve starts, he's gone at least eight innings, and yeah, he's he, a one, one two ERA. He's an MVP candidate, um, absolutely hundred percent. And I think yeah. in the National League, I right now if the season ended today, I think I'd make you can make the argument that he's the MVP over. Uh, I know Goldschmidt's been everyone's like favorite guy. I, I don't even know if he's been the best player on his team, to be honest with you. But uh, I, I think I think you would go with Alcantara. Yeah, I go with Alcantara for the MVP and the signing in the National League right now. Season ends today. Um, you mentioned Rasmussen and Springs. Completely forgot about them. That's actually hundred percent my fault. Um, so you know maybe I do pick them in a playoff series over Boston. Um, but I think ultimately when it comes down to it, right. The problem with Tampa, I think is go okay, ahead. keep going. Oh, keep what going. I was going to say was that I think ultimately when it comes down to it. Boston and Tampa are in their own tier in the American league, like in the American league East of like, they're right there with each other. 
I know Toronto's in fourth right now. I think Toronto's the second best team in that American League East. And they're pr- I think they emerge as that number three team in the American League, that team that kind of, you know, comes out of nowhere and becomes a, a direct challenger to the Astros and the Yankees in the playoffs. Because here's a couple of things they have going for them towards the deadline. One, played so poorly in the first half that you have to imagine they just start playing better in the second half because this can't hold up all well, year. Well, they just fired their manager. That's right. One thing. And number two, they have more assets at the deadline than the Red Sox or the Rays do that they're willing to part ways with to go get better. Like you See, can't tell me the, the Rays can't empty their farm because if they do that, they have nothing for the next They're They're not going to be, they're not, they're not good. Their depth comes from their farm, whether that's good or a bad, I think it's a fine way to build your team. Don't get me wrong, but they don't have the financial flexibility to go out and kind of dump their farm or replace the players in free agency. The Blue Jays can go out and make pretty big deals. They can go get a Frankie Montas or Elise Castillo, fix a lot of their problems in rotation, go get a couple of relievers. And that team is really, really scary. That team still has Vlad. Bo Bichette, that team still has Springer, Teoscar Hernandez, Kevin Biggio has been better this year. They have great catching, right? Kirk is one of the best, if not the best catcher in baseball. Jansen's a great backup. They can do DHing wise, right? You can go Vlad first base. You can put one of the catchers to DH Kirk, DH Jansen to catch, unless, you know, or or Jansen to DH Kirk to catch, however you want to do it. They have such, they have such, their team is too damn good for them to not be the second best team in the American League East. They're not I too far behind the Red Sox in the Rays. If you look at, so you're saying that third team in the American League, because obviously the first two are set in stone. It's Houston, it's New York. Uh, New York's better than Houston so far. I trust Houston more in the playoffs just because of their track record. Like they've always been one of the best. I think the third best team in the American League is Seattle. Um, I think I think they're going to be the ones that, that actually end up being challengers. Um, their starting pitching is so much better than any of the teams you just mentioned. Uh, you look down, you've got Gilbert, you've got Ray, you've got Flexen and Gonzalez. They all have ERAs sub four. Ray's been really good since the beginning of the year. Like he, he was, he was off to a slow start, but he's kind of evening out. And the Logan Gilbert's been one of the best pitchers in the American league. Um, he's, he's got a high X ERA, but I don't think that really matters. Um, uh, maybe this is a hot take, but I just think you've got a guy um, in Julio Rodriguez who is, I think, just as good as, you know, a guy like Vlad or a guy like uh, in Boston with Devers. I think Rodriguez is just as good as those guys. And um, I think Seattle ends up being that team that challenges them. I believe in this, like, they've been really good the last, I think, month or so, a couple months. They were kind of stagnant, but now they've kind of gotten going. They've won 10 games in a row. I'm buying in Seattle. Um, I'd also buy on Baltimore. I think they're, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think Baltimore has got a really bright future ahead of them. I would sell Seattle stock really hard right now. Um, let's look at adjusted ERA for these guys. Robbie Ray, sub four, sure, but it's 95 ERA minus. It's 5% penalty garage ERA. Logan Gilbert's got a not, he's, his FIP and XFIP and Sierra are not, they're all indicating regression. Like he's not sustained this performance. I'm sorry. Um, I know people are going to say, I know you like ERA, but there's just no way that sustains consistently over a full season. Like that, not no way, excuse me. It's possible that sustains, but I, don't, I think it's a lower probability. Flexen, same situation here. His ERA minus is actually 104. So he has an ERA that's worse than the average ERA uh, considering ballpark and league environment. And then Marco Gonzalez, Another guy, like, I just don't think that's sustained. At 88 with a 133 fit minus and an 80 and a 126 X fit minus, a 5.17 Sierra, that's not sustaining. This is a guy, these are the, the starting uh, Gonzalez pitchers. has been good 
though. Like, like this is not like an anomaly for him. He's been good the last no. four years, yes. even with the high XFIP, high Sierra. So, but the tough. ERA's. I, it's look, tough to say that he's like not the guy that he's been right now because you know he's one of those guys where like he doesn't strike guys out but he gets guys out and but this is a pretty large sample size he was doing it for in the playoffs it, like in the playoffs that does not work um you cannot have pitching that doesn't get swings and misses reliably you cannot have three starting pitchers if you include logan gilbert whose strikeout rates aren't phenomenal this year uh you know you can't have three guys who can't get swings and miss. your two and then, three, four stars can't be guys who can't get swings and miss at a great level and two i think Lo- i mean logan gilbert's off- still a solid strikeout no he's an still okay a solid strikeout rate and then if you look down uh george kirby also has been very good um and his advanced numbers are much better than anyone else's on this team i uh, 3.43 xfip and then uh for kirby he has a 3.45 sierra so if you it, it, even if you don't want to buy in on one of the other guys, then you have to buy in on him, right? Because you can't really make the argument against him and them at the same time. Yeah, I could buy in on Kirby, but my only my only drawback here is, again, this is a guy who doesn't miss bats at an elite level. Like, you're not going to face Houston and expect to win a playoff series when you can't get swing and misses. That's a team that will kill you if you can't get the Yankees will kill you. If you can't get swings and misses Toronto will kill you. If you can't get swings. And misses. I just, I think that's Boston such a generalized thing to that's say. That's like, not just... really generalized. BAPIP goes, BAPIP goes way down the playoffs. Uh, so you can make BAPIP goes down the playoffs. Sure. So you can make the, argument so you can make the argument yes, that putting that, the ball in play is actually right. But worse. at the same time, batters teams are throwing out guys who are trying to hit home runs, who are, very good at it most likely you don't see very many teams that are good in the playoffs that don't hit home runs so if you're seattle how do you expect to win a playoff series against toronto against the yankees against the astros against the red sox against tampa even um when you can't you cannot get them to swing and miss because your pitchers don't do that and you are probably not i mean you might out homer them they are pretty i'm gonna double seattle homers a lot yeah seattle's a pretty good home run hitting team uh, no, actually they're 13. So they're not great. They're okay at it. Right. So you don't, you don't have great, like this just isn't a team that's beating the Yankees or Astros or Toronto in the playoffs. They're just not. They're I think, I think you'd be surprised. Cause no, I, I would be very confident. Like I bet if they matched up with Toronto in an ALDS, I would bet a lot of money that Toronto. Well, would. I think it, I think this would end up being a wild card, not an ALDS. Oh yeah. Wild card three. I mean, I guess three games. I'm less com- confident because it's three right. Games. Cause it's three games, but and I'm I think- very confident that the Mariners don't make it past the ALDS if they somehow make the playoffs. And I I'm think not even they, confident they make the playoffs. I'm still I, think that, I think they're going to make the playoffs for sure because their division is so much easier than the other ones. Um, the, the, I mean, than the AL East. Like, the AL Central is going to get one team and one team exactly, and it's probably going to be Minnesota. Um, I think Minnesota is going to get knocked out by whoever the hell the fourth seed is, whether it's – all these all these teams are close. Um, but I think there's five teams that are within, like, four games. It's Toronto, Baltimore uh Seattle, Boston and Tampa, I think they're all within like four or five games with the, within each other in the wild card race. Um I think Seattle I think Seattle's my favorite team out of those. And I don't mean favorite like I like them the most I think favorite is like I think they're the best team out of those. Um uh, maybe Boston, you can make the argument cuz Boston's so loaded offensively. Um and I think that plays in the playoffs, especially if you uh, in a three-game series, Boston's really, really scary. I think they could beat almost anyone in a three-game series, even Houston, even New York, because um, games one and two, you're sending out Sale and Evaldi, who are two guys like – those are two top 
pretty pretty close to the top line for starting pitchers. And then you've got a lineup. You know, Duran's been good. Uh, and then Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, uh, Story, Verdugo. Like, that's a loaded lineup. And I think that's I think that's the fourth best team in the American League because I still think Seattle's better, but we'll see. I'm gonna. I'm telling you. I'm bet like if there is a team that's surging right now that you if you wanted to kind of sell stock on, um, it, it's the Mariners. That's that. Or I guess you could say Baltimore, but you know that's kind of a cop out. I'm gonna go with a team that's in a playoff spot right now. There's one of those teams that start to sh- just struggle for no reason or quote unquote no reason. See, it's Seattle. Now I will say. Here's one advantage Seattle has that I mentioned this with Toronto, but Seattle also has this advantage. If Seattle wants to get Frankie Montas or Luis Castillo, they can, right? And that changes a lot because now you have a guy who can gets, you know, can get bats to miss in the playoffs. Um, they can kind of supplement this roster pretty well. Uh, even if it's a Tyler Malley, right? Where it's just someone who can be a number two, three pitcher. I think Ray can be your ace in October and you'll be fine. I think a lot of people kind of un- overlooked Ray. Um, I think one thing I like about Ray too, is he throws his slider a lot more. He's, he's clearly making adjustments to get swings and misses. And in his last six starts, he's thrown 39.2 innings, 0.91 ERA. So he's, he's gone six innings, 6.27677. So he's gone above six every time he's averaging, uh, like what, 6.2. Uh, and he's given up four runs in his last six starts. He's clearly finding something, you know, obviously, his advanced numbers aren't the same because you're never going to get a 0.91 Sierra. Like that's just not going to happen. Um, but if you, if you look down this Mariners lineup, I think they've kind of found lightning in a bottle somehow with Carlos Santana. I don't know how um, I, and I don't think this sustains, but you look at Rodriguez, like he's been since like May, one of the best players in the league. Um and I'm buying in completely on Julio Rodriguez. I think he's, I think he's as good as Soto and Acuna. I think he'll be that. I agree there. Yeah. I think he'll be that guy for the next decade and a half in Seattle, as long as they keep him. Um, even if they don't, like, I think he'll be one of the top five to 10 players in the league for a decade, at least. Like, I, I don't see a reason why he's not Soto. He's not Acuna. He's elite offensively, elite defensively, elite on the bases, elite speed, like kind of everything you want in a player. But obviously, one player can't carry a team. Suarez has been good. France has been good. Crawford's been good. Uh, Raleigh's been good behind the plate. And then Winker's been good in the outfield, too. Like, that's six guys, six above average bats, three of which have been, like, really, really good. So, I don't know. I think I think your big move here is you go get a second baseman, right? You go get a guy like a Brandon Drury. Again, Brandon Drury and Luis Castile to the Mariners. Like, now I think I could sit back and say, um, look, this is a team that is really fucking good, right? Like the bullpen's good. The bullpen's amazing. They got great bullpen depth. They're really good at turning, you know, like Eric Swanson. Uh, he was not the big guy in the James Paxson trade, but he has been absolutely great this year in terms of his strikeout rates and low walk numbers. Um, if you look at, you know, the rotation, if they have Robbie Ray, Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, um, uh, George Kirby, I guess you go was the four. Like that's a really strong one through four. That at that point you can sell me on that rotation because there's enough guys in there that get swings and misses. You get the lineup. You add Drury in the middle of that lineup. You have Drury, Crawford, France, and Suarez in the infield. You have you know you figure out your DH I think, spot. I think it's weaker. I think it's Winker in the outfield. And J Rod is your you know J Rod as you mentioned is cerebral 
Hanniger's coming back soon. Um, that's uh, that's what. Hanniger's probably a one twenty WRC plus hitter. So then that Z-Rod. gives you that gives you five of them. Yeah, between there... Suarez, Rodriguez, France, potentially, uh, and then Hanniger, and then potentially uh, Drury, which would give you five. And then Crawford's right at one sixteen. So let's, I think. I think they're good either way. I think they're going to make the playoffs either way, and I think they're going to make noise in the playoffs either way. But if you add at the deadline, which I'm sure they're they're easily buyers, there's no reason for Seattle to sell. Um, I think that they're one of those teams I'm buying in Seattle. Obviously, you know, out of these two teams on 10-game winning streaks, I think they're the better team. I don't, you know, Baltimore's got kind of a similar thing going where they've got, like, they had a top prospect leading the charge, but I just don't think they're quite as... um, as good as the Mariners. Yeah. Okay. You can kind of, so I, I just, I'm, I'm going to say that yes, the Mariners can get better enough at the deadline to put themselves at that level. But honestly, uh, I, they got They got to make the moves, right? I, I don't, I just don't buy into the pitching right now. I don't buy into their, I mean, they could make the playoffs. That would be pretty unsurprising, but I'd be surprised if they made it deep in the playoffs without getting, um, someone that could push one of Marco or flex another rotation or not both. Um, you know, you get Kirby back, you get Kirby developing throughout the year. You hope he can put something together. It has obviously been remarkable. I just, again, I, I can't buy into a team that has so few guys, just one guy in the rotation. That's a good strikeout arm um, in this modern game. Um, but, you know, Jays, Mariners, Red Sox, Rays, that's a big deadline for them because if one of those four teams walk away with a big deadline, they cement themselves in a really good spot for the wild card series to have home advantage and kind of take, take that series and go to the ALDS and make some noise. We all kind of imagine Minnesota is an ideal for uh, these teams based on their playoff resume, but Minnesota's another team that if they get starting pitching could be pretty good. They have, uh, they have and i think one thing we're forgetting about the mariners uh i don't know where the hell ryan went but um i think one thing we're forgetting about seattle is we're talking about getting a guy like brandon jury to play second base you're also going to get kyle lewis back and then if you put him in center field he's on his rehab assignment right now so you put him uh even probably not in center field because you have um J-Rod out there, but you put him in left, J-Rod in center, Hanniger in right, and then you can DH Winker. I think that makes your team quite a bit better. Um, I've seen some Seattle fans that have mocked themselves getting Contreras. I don't think they're really going to be in the running for him. I think Contreras is probably going to end up in New York, but I think the Mets also don't want to admit they fucked up with McCann, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and you know, Contreras is a guy who he's at least going to be a great DH to a team. Like, he's just a really good hitter. Like, he just hammers the ball. He hits home runs, works walks. He's a great hitter. Um, Ian Happ's another guy who I just imagine has a great market because he's just a great player. Like, getting good hitters is really valuable. And it's really hard to not have a market for good offensive players with sustainable stats. Um, so the couple will definitely have a market there. Um, I imagine other guys who are definitely on the move, Ben Intendi, even with his vaccination stuff, I'm pretty sure teams think they can get him vaccinated or don't care. Um, I imagine, I, I imagine Peralta, David Peralta on the D-backs, Cole Calhoun. There, I, think, a lot. I think that the biggest sellers at the deadline, like, you know, last year, how Chicago and Washington both kind of sold their entire roster 
I don't see that happening at all really throughout the league this year. There's no team that's kind of like been good, but isn't good. And then would sell the whole team um, like the Cubs and Nats did last year. But I think the Cubs are going to do it again. I'd like to see them keep Hap. I don't know if they're going to. Hap has an extra year control. So that's one thing that definitely like, that's a bonus for his trade value for sure. Um, I think they trade to relievers. I think they can get decent value for David Robertson. He's been really good this year. Um, I think you can get decent value for Givens. I think Contreras is obviously like, um, I, I don't know. I think Contreras' value is tough because I think the Cubs value him more than any other team, which is weird for a guy who's got such good numbers. Um, I think, t- and these teams that need catchers, I don't know if they've even like admitted like to themselves that they need catchers. Like, like, you know, the Astros, you look down their lineup and it's a clear hole, but I don't think they care. And then you look at New York and it's obviously a hole there, but I just think that they're just going to wait it out for Francisco Alvarez next year. But I think this is New York's, like, maybe not their best chance, but this is a chance for them to win a World Series. And I think that if you get Wilson Contreras, that really, like, strengthens your ability to do that. Yeah, the Mets, you know, they, they've they kind of t- gotten some good luck in the sense of the Dodgers aren't as good as they should be, you feel like. They don't feel as dominant. A lot of their pitch, starting pitchers have been worse because of either injury or, you know, they're just not as good without spider attack. So I don't know if I would really call it luck as much as it is. The Dodgers weren't as good as we thought they were, and the Mets are really fucking good, and the Braves are pretty good too, but the Mets, you know, beat them in that series. They've kept the Braves away, even though the Braves have tried to make a, you know, huge kind of historic NL East comeback. The Mets have kept them at bay, and that's really, really good for the Mets. Um, they're going to be aggressive with deadline. They should be. They should do whatever they can to get as much talent as possible. Because could you imagine if they got a guy like Luis Castillo for the rotation? They go, sure. I, I, I don't think Castillo. they need a pitcher because you go you go DeGrom, right? You have to imagine he's back for the playoffs. You have DeGrom and Scherzer. DeGrom and Scherzer. And then you have you have Walker, who's been really, really good. Um, Are we starting Walker in game three of a play, playoff series? I mean, you could go Carrasco. Are we starting Carrasco in game three of a playoff series? Like, I, I think th- the problem is not, not, there's not, the rotation isn't bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying like, okay, look at, look at the other playoff teams in the league. How many, how many teams have a guy better than Walker to start in game three of a playoff series? I know you love strikeouts and you love, uh, yeah, like stuff matters and, and, sw- and, and misses in the playoffs, stuff. but like, if you look down Atlanta, who, who's their number three start in the playoffs, you're going Spencer Strider, you're going Max Fried and then Charlie Morton. I mean, I'm just saying, I, I don't think, like, I just don't think, like, I, I would take Jordan Montgomery over Tyron Walker. I would take, you know, Luis Severino and Esther Cortez over Tywan Walker. I would take, I'm thinking other teams in baseball. I, I, okay. You know, and, and, and pretty comfortably, by the way. I think we've, I think Walker, you know, he's not going to be their three starter in the playoffs. It's That's what, Bass. but it's going to be Bassett. And right. We, and like, but, I think you kind of like, you could put yourself in a situation though we have Castillo starting eighth three, and then who's beating the New York Mets in the playoff series? Nobody. Exactly. So, but my, I, my point is more so. Why I don't you just go get someone who wins the World Series right there? I and think there. their biggest hole is middle relief, though. I think they they need a guy who they can put in because their only reliever right now that you can really trust is Edwin Diaz, and he's, he's been in baseball. He's been the best reliever in baseball, but who else? Like Julie Rodriguez has solid. You know, uh, uh, I guess Adovino. Adovino's been good. But um, Seth Lugo's been bad. Drew Smith has been bad since the beginning of the year. Like, Yeah, um, I get what you're saying. And I, I, know Lugo, I, know, I know Lugo and Smith probably get more shit than they deserve. But um, 
like I think you go out and you get a guy like maybe a Michael Givens or a David Robertson or a David Bednar. If the if the Pirates are trading Bednar, I think he's the perfect guy for the Mets. Um, because the Mets also have one of those farm systems where they can just kind of pull a guy out and it doesn't really matter because they can just replace him by buying someone else, which is what they're gonna do. And I I just I don't know. I think I think their biggest hole is middle relief, and then they could use a guy. They could use a catcher, obviously, but I don't think they're going to really target Contreras because um, I think the Cubs' asking price is going to be really high. But maybe, maybe Contreras gets traded to um, to New York. And then, I mean, you look down their lineup, you got the outfield goes, you go, uh, I guess, McNeil in left, Nimmo in center, Marte in right. And then their infield is loaded too. You go third base, Escobar. Lindor, uh, Guillaume, and Alonzo. Like, they don't really have a hole on the on the roster other than um, – and then I, you DH either Canna or I, – I guess you DH Canna. And so then um, your, your only real holes on this roster are relievers and then catcher. So I think the Mets go for – I think that's the perfect trade partner for the, for the uh, Mets and the Cubs. I was going to say Knicks, which is – Oh, next baby. <laughs> no, uh, for the Mets and the Cubs, I think they're perfect trade partners. Yeah, and you know, ultimately, I, I guess you're right in the sense that they could use middle relief. David Robertson kind of pops up to mind for the Cubs is like David Robertson in the club in that Mets bullpen with Edwin Diaz is a deadly combination. They probably want to go get a left-handed guy too. Andrew Chafin from the Tigers is he's a good pitcher on a bad team. That's pretty much a very easy way to get traded if you're a reliever. Good relievers on bad teams with a one-year, two-year deal easy to see how you get acquired Chafin and Robertson and Diaz. That's a really, really, really freaking good one through one, two, and three. Holderman's been pretty good for the Mets. So I wonder if they try to use him a little bit more. I imagine Joelle Rodriguez could hopefully get a little bit better as the season goes on. Adovino can be, you know, righty specialist. Um, and suddenly you have a pretty good bullpen. You know, a couple of those spots would be taking my starters. I would imagine at least um, P- not Peterson, um maybe peterson but mcgill should at least be a nasty reliever like i imagine mcgill as a reliever is pretty damn good um so you know the mets the mets have a lot to, they have a lot definitely to do they have things they definitely need to address but they are very clearly i think right now um the team that you look at and you say hey man they get they, they make the right moves and, and and they put themselves in a position to to run to not run with the national league but put themselves in the spot to win the national league and um you know going against an american league team uh, you, you hope you don't run into a, you just kind of hope you don't run into the uh, Yankees in a sense, because the Astros, if you run into the Astros, you're an NL East team, in the world series, you're, you're going to win that world series. Um, that's just how it's gone. Um, but uh, I say that jokingly, obviously, I don't know. Yeah. If but if you run into the Yankees, the Yankees haven't won in like forever and they should have. Yeah. But like, it, they, 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 like, okay. You get my point. Like if they break the world series curse and they lose in the world series, it'd be torture. Like I'd rather them lose in the ALCS. Like if you're going to, if you're going to go, if you're going to make the world series, you might as yeah, well win it. Win it. Exactly. And I know that's I don't really, think they're gonna make it. I okay. There I think the Yankees World Series depends completely on what they do at the deadline. Like if they don't get Castillo, they're not winning the World Series. That's how I see it. Like they're not, they're not, no shot, no shot. Um, because the Astros will kill them in the play. They'll kill their pit, they're pitching the playoffs. So like, I'm sorry. Like, that's not gonna work. If they don't get a starting pitcher, they are not gonna win the World Series. That's Who? how I see it. Yankees. Uh, okay, because I thought you were talking about the Astros. The Astros really no, no. need a starting pitcher. That's no, like, no, no. Um, and I think, I think, and and I know people say this all the time. It's kind of a cliche, 
but getting a guy back from an injury is almost like getting a guy from a trade. So in, in Houston's case, I'm referring to uh, McCullers. So you're going to get him back eventually. So it's almost the same, right? Um, where you're adding a starting pitcher to the team that you don't really need, but you could use. Javier's been good, but inconsistent. Um, obviously, like Verlander's a guy who you can go in number one starter in the playoffs and feel great about it, right? Um, he has a great track record in the playoffs. He's old. He's, uh, he's durable. You know, he's been, he's been great. And then Valdez has been great too. And he's your number two, uh, Garcia's number three, and he strikes a bunch of guys out. Um, you're, you don't like guys who don't get strikeouts in the playoffs. Uh, Valdez and Verlander actually don't strike out a lot of guys anymore, but I don't know. I don't know if that's a problem at all. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they're going to have, they're going to have their one through three and they're going to be their one through three with uh, Verlander, Framber and McCullough is going to be really fucking good. Um, and you, one of Garcia, you see, being, but why is, being a four is fine. why is Verlander's 8.5 K per nine, a, not a problem, but you think like, because I look at strikeout, is. because I look at strikeout percentage and I don't look at K per nine. Okay. Even if you look at strikeout percentage, it's 25%. That's not, yeah, great. that's a lot. That's 3% better. That's he's 2% better than, than Gilbert is. And I don't even think like, I think the difference, I mean, the difference also here is if you look at the peripherals, right. Um, doesn't get he walks fewer guys his strikeout to walk rate is a lot better and he doesn't um, give up homers I, right I like but, i i like the, the the peripherals are better I, if gilbert had better peripherals i wouldn't be too like if he just didn't walk dudes like the reason i like kirby even though he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts he just doesn't walk dudes his k to strike out his strikeouts to walk rate is phenomenal um so i mean verlander is a better pitcher than gilbert is verlander's got better stuff than Ver- gilbert does does right now verlander's got better command he's a better pitcher just overall um Framber doesn't get swings and misses at an elite level, but we're also talking about one of the greatest ground ball pitchers, starting pitchers um, of the decade in terms of just getting ground balls. So pretty confident him because I'm a little bit shaky on it. Depends on how he comes back from injury, but he's got great stuff and the Astros are really good. And he's always been pretty good for the Astros. So pretty confident in him. And I mean, then, I think yeah, you trust Javier the guy. Person. I think yeah. you trust, you trust the guy with the track record. Right. And that's, that's the other thing. I know I was being facetious there for a minute with Gilbert, but like Verlander is, He's, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He's Justin Verlander. Whereas, like, Logan Gilbert's a rookie. So, we're, like, I think that makes a difference, especially come playoff time when, you know, uh, I, I know people in the analytics community tend to disagree with this type of statement, but experience matters. And especially for pitchers, pitchers can get rattled really easily. And I know it's like people are like, oh, well, clutch doesn't matter, right? It's not a thing. And maybe it's not like quote unquote clutchness, but like Verlander is not going to get rattled in the playoffs. Whereas you could see a guy like Gilbert maybe would because he's never been there before. And that's why you can trust a team like Houston, who's been there literally every single year. They haven't missed the ALCS since what, 2017? 16. 16. So that's five years in a row. Yeah, you're just you're not worried about variance nearly as much with the Astros as you are with any other rotation. Right. Um, I mean, I'm maybe I'm New t- York. No, no, I'm, I'm good with the Yankees and and Mets rotations, like in the playoffs. I'm just saying, like in terms of you know, I'm thinking the Mariners, thinking the Rays, thinking maybe the Red Sox a little bit in that second half of the rotation. Though I'm, I'm good with. Hey, I think you have all the you know I can trust him. Sale is shaky with the injuries and just for some reason it's shelled in the playoffs. But I don't think that's always going to be the case. Like I just can't imagine Chris Sale has a seven ERA in the playoffs again. Like I, maybe I'm just being foolish here, but I just don't see that thing. Right. Um, and then I think uh, another thing we don't really mention is in a seven game series, like 
these older guys are more accustomed to going games one, four, and seven. Whereas, like, you put a young guy out there on short rest, you can't really like it's yeah, you don't know how they're gonna react to it. It's shaky. Whereas, like, you put Max Scherzer on the mound in game one, you feel comfortable putting him out there three days rest game four. Yeah, you you just have to you want to have as little variance in the playoffs as possible in terms of like if you're the favorite favorite team, of course. If you're not the favorite team, you want as much variance as possible because that means you have a chance to kind of shake things right. up. But if you're and the like, Astros, you're very you don't you don't want variance. You want things to go the way they should because if things go the way they should, you have a really good chance of going to the World Series and then winning it. Yankees kind of in a similar situation. Mariners would love to have a little bit of like some like they, if you're the Mariners, you want to face the Astros in the first round or the Yankees. You want to hope you that want you want you want to kill the beast early. Is basically like you want to you. You want to you want to get the team that's the toughest, the earliest, because it's the shortest series, right? And, you want and that you want to because you're more likely to win a three game series against Houston than a seven game series against Houston. Whereas I think Seattle could knock off a team like Toronto in a seven game series more so than they could knock off Houston. Right? Yeah. No, you take your chances there. You also think just as currently constructed, you have to wonder how that Blue Jays pitching staff lasts in a postseason series. How many? How many? You know. I mean, I think the Blue Jays pitching staff is fine. Um, you, I think you're. I think the biggest question mark is Jose Barrios. Is he? Is he good or not? Yeah, that's a big question mark. Though. Like that's your number three, right? Like because your one and two are incredible with absolutely with also think Manoa and depth, right? Osman. Like you, you relievers statistics. Like this isn't like a like a, a a trope. This is I'm pretty sure Cameron Grove, his pitching uh, the guy who did makes the pitching bot model. Um, he uh. That did all, um, he ran some numbers and figured out, yeah, pitchers do get worse or relievers do get worse throughout a playoff series when they're seen more often. So I think the Blue Jays, you really don't know, you, like you don't want to lean on the same guys every single game to close out games or to shut down in the eighth or seventh inning because those guys become less effective in a postseason series. The Mariners have a ton of guys they can go to. You think Murphy, you think Seawall, do you think Munoz, you think uh, Swanson, um, Castillo. Castillo. There are so many guys. And then that can- I think. Um, I, I don't know if they've actually done this, but I, I heard talking about Matt Brash as a reliever. Yeah. Brash is a reliever. That's another thing, right? Like those are just guys who you can throw them. I'm not going to say brash, but those are five guys I just listed who you could close a baseball game with pretty comfortably. Um, they have to have another guy I'm forgetting about. I feel like there's another guy I'm just not remembering. I'm going to go to the Mariners depth chart right now. And I'm see not, um, no, I think you kind of listed their entire Oh, he believe he's yeah, he is in the bullpen right now. Brash. Yeah, and Festa. There we go. Matt Festa it has like great strikeout numbers and low walk rates. He does get barreled quite a bit. So, you know, maybe not close a game with him, but they have guys with great stuff who you can feel pretty comfortable going out there and, and asking them to get outs in a playoff series and get strikeouts, and they can. Um, it's kind of weird because I, I talk about um, you know, I, I talk about how they don't get swings and misses, but their bullpen is very much the opposite. The bullpen is full of guys who have questionable ERAs, but they get swings and misses. Um, you know, I, I imagine Brash is a guy where if he can work out as a reliever this year, he's throwing a lot harder coming out the bullpen, 98.5 miles per hour. I think he should go heavily on that slider. Just go primary slider. Slider is disgusting. It's a sweeping, beautiful, gorgeous pitch on it, right? We've seen guys kind of move away from throwing the fastballs as much as places down across baseball go out and use your as much as you can use your fastballs to get get go ahead pitch but it's not a devastating pitch anymore it's just really hard um first slider more uh get swings and misses and maybe the manners bullpen kind of carry them a little bit um and, and give them some breathing rooms so that if they get a guy like Mally or castillo or montas you go in a playoff series and that pitching staff is so good with the lineup 
uh, you could talk yourself into being a team that you face up. You're going to face the Astros and the Yankees in the first round. One of the two teams, right? Like you Who? are the the Mariners or whoever team is in the wild card. Don't they have to face one of the Yankees? Uh, they the could Astros take – no, no, that's – that. well, okay, yeah. So that's not exactly true. If Seattle ends up as the number one wild card team, which is very possible, they're only two games out, um, then you can get uh, ALDS versus Minnesota if you're the four seed and then Minnesota's the three seed. Um. Oh no, it's four five. So no, it's no, three, no, no, no. Only three, two six, teams four, get five. to buy. Yeah, yeah. It's three six four five. So yeah. if you're the wor- if you're the if you're the middle, so the middle two and then three six. So three is the worst division winner. So it's Minnesota, right? Unless unless somehow Cleveland or Chicago wins that division. Either way, it's the AL Central team, right? Is going to be um, the three seed unless something fucking nuts happens, like you know, right? But then you look at four and five. Um, it's going to be some. It's going to be the top two wildcard teams play each other. And then the last wildcard team plays Minnesota. So if you're looking at, um, you know, Seattle makes the top wildcard, Boston's the second one and Toronto's the third one and Tampa misses the playoffs, potentially. That's just one scenario, right? Then you'd have Seattle and Boston play each other and then Tampa plays Minnesota. So I don't know. It's, it's not one of those scenarios where you're going to want to be a wildcard team, but we'll see. And yeah, then if man. you win, if you win the wild card series, you're gonna have to play New York or Houston in the second round in a ALDS five game series. Yeah. So um you just hope you yeah, in the five game series, you kind of hope you can get, you know, whatever team you feel I we'll we'll know better by the time October rolls around who's the better team between the Yankees and Astros in terms of just like who's scarier for a team to face. Um we'll see because these aren't the final rosters, right? We have a deadline, we, we still don't know what they what the Yankees are the uh that the astros are going to do um but you kind of hope in this in a weird way you, you just kind of hope you face like the yankees could get i don't think the yankees are going to hold on to the one seed if they don't clearly keep playing better than houston because they're only four games ahead of houston for that one seed right it's not like a massive gap so the yankees are gonna have to continue to play better baseball than the astros and, and it doesn't really matter i think it does home field until, is definitely until you get to the alcs it doesn't actually matter. no I, i'm no no, no. I, i'm saying like for i'm thinking from the perspective like the mariners the red sox the rays the blue jays right like you don't really know who you want to face yet you don't you have no clue who you want to face in the first round yet so you gotta hope you want to wait kind of see who's in the first round and then i guess you you hope that you land the one that you know because the one seed probably ends up being not clearly the best team between two, but like pretty confidently the best team between two. So we'll see, um, you know, ALS ALS definitely the interesting playoff mix here because there are just so many teams that could, there are a lot of really good, like there's enough really good teams. I know the national league full of world series contenders there with the Mets, uh, you know, the Met, the Yankees, Mets, Braves, Dodgers, Padres, pretty good giants, pretty solid, even though they've struggled this year. I don't think the giants are that good. Yeah, I think the, the difference is like in the American League, even though the Twins kind of stand out as like the, they're not as they, they Minnesota stands out like a sort of thumb. Right. But at the same time, the National League, the Brewers kind of stick out like a sore thumb here. Like, I don't think they do. You don't think they do in comparison to the Mets, Braves, and Dodgers? I mean, maybe, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they knocked off the Mets, Braves, or Dodgers. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I wouldn't know. I, again, deadline changes I, everything. I think the thing about Milwaukee that makes them dangerous is that you can go into a playoff series and so confidently put Burns on the mound, put Woodruff on the mound, put Peralta on the mound, and put Lauer on the mound. And you're like, 
this is our four beat us. And I don't know if there's a lot of teams that can beat those four pitchers. Now, Milwaukee's problem is they don't score a lot, but I think, and, and I don't know, this this is not statistically backed up, but I'm pretty sure since they moved Yelich to the leadoff spot, he's been really, really good. Um, and then if you, um, I, and then, so you're going Yelich, Adamas, and then uh, trade for a hitter. That's the main thing that, uh, why I say Brooklyn, Milwaukee needs to do. Uh, trade for a hitter, round out that lineup, strengthen it a little bit. But uh, if you look at what they're doing right now with, um, I think they, here, I'm going to pull up their lineup from the last couple of days. You're going uh, Yelich, and then you're going uh, Adamas, Telez, uh, McCutcheon, who's actually been solid, and then Narvaez, Wong, Peterson, Urias, Renfro, like a combination of those guys at the bottom. Like these are all guys who can hit. They haven't like been great, but they all they're all like decent hitters. Yelich is underperforming his ex well about 30 points. I don't know how much you really value that. Um yeah, he and, stinks. And since he moved into the leadoff spot, he's got a 400 on base percentage with a 131 WRC plus. So I think you look at it like that. Like this is a team where um their offense I think is good enough. I don't I don't think they're great, but I think with that pitching. You go, you know, you get Burns for seven and then Williams and Hayter. That's a really, really hard game one. And so then you look at that in a in a scenario where I think it's most likely that they're the three seed and then either San Diego or um, Atlanta's the four seed, right? Uh, so then you'd have Milwaukee probably gets, who would be six? Uh, it's St. Louis. I think they knock off St. Louis. Uh, I think they knock off San Francisco. I think they knock off basically any other team in the in the NL who's going to get that sixth seed. I don't think you're worried about losing the first round if you're Milwaukee. I agree because you have your one and two guys, but we'll see. Uh, again, it's a lot of this, especially with three game series, really tough, and we don't also know how these teams are going to look to that line. You know, again, one of these teams add a, a Frankie Montas or a Luis Castillo, and now your entire outlook on that team changes. So um you know we'll see uh i think a sleeper team is philadelphia by the way it's what is the phillies a sleeper team yeah 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 because they they also have those two pitchers where if you sneak into the playoffs you could knock off anyone and they have a decent enough lineup they have the bullpen no it's not a decent lineup they have a loaded lineup they they need to get they they, the problem is their shortstop situation is fucking terrible like, so bad. Didi Gregorius and Bryson Stott are awful right now. Bryson Stott might be better. You don't think Didi Gregorius has been awful? He's a terrible baseball player, man. No, I understand that. But I think you um, – I think come playoffs, you've got uh, – I mean, Stott, Stott and Gregorius have been horrible. But I think – so if you look down the roster, maybe I'm wrong, but wouldn't Segura be playing short anyways? No, he's the, he's hasn't played shortstop for them ever. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Because – uh, obviously, Real Muto, you'd expect to be better than a 92 WRC plus. Um, I'm sure he'll break out in a second half. I don't, I don't think that's really something you need to be that concerned about. Um, but you look down the lineup, you got uh, it's Schwarber, it's Harper, it's Hoskins, it's Real Muto, it's Segura, it's uh, Garrett Stubbs has been good. 
uh, Dubo Herrera has been okay. Like this is this is a good lineup. Cassianos is another guy who's just been a horrible, but you have to expect more from him, at least with the bat. Maybe not with the club. He's pretty pretty bad defensively, but with the bat, and I think you'd expect enough from him that like if you get into a situation situation where you're the sixth seed, you're playing Milwaukee, that'll be a really really fun series, I think. Yeah, you got uh, Wheeler versus you go, Burns and then, and then you, versus Woodruff. And then I don't know who that three starter would be for um, for the Phillies. Maybe you'd go um, – I guess you'd go Gibson, but I wouldn't really trust that. You could go Ranger Suarez maybe if he's healthy. Their rotation is hilarious on, on the roster resource because it only shows Zach Wheeler and Christopher Sanchez. So. What about Nola? Uh, I think he's hurt or or COVID IL or is he? No, no, no. Remember, he's not vaccinated. That's why. That's why they don't show him. Right, right, right. What about Eflin? Eflin, uh, is he hurt? Maybe he might be hurt. Yeah, I don't know. Hurt. He's I always think, hurt. Though. I, I think Philadelphia is a team that, like, if they sneak into the playoffs, could make some noise just because those two pitchers are so dominant. Yeah, I don't disagree. It depends. We'll we'll, we'll see with that. I think everyone's kind of a we'll see if you're not the Astros, Yankees. Mets, Dodgers, Mets, Dodgers, Braves, and like, Padres. I, I I believe in the Padres. I think I'd put. Them I believe there. I'm just saying, like, but even though their offense isn't great, so we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, but, but I like think a, playoff, by the playoffs, you're gonna have Tatis. So, will you have Tatis? Why not? Unless you think he's. I'm gonna just saying get hurt right now. I'm saying right now, though. I'm saying currently rosters constructed. I'm very confident those five teams do something very good in the second half and play great baseball and are. I'm very confident. The ALCS teams are some combination of those five. That's how I see it. Maybe I'm wrong. Padres could be really good. You mean the I, you mean the CS teams, not ALCS? Oh, right. Championship series teams, right? Are between a combination of those five in their respective leagues. So you think it's basically guaranteed New York and Houston in the American? No, League? no, no, no. Nothing's a guarantee. I just think I'm saying I, if I were to pick, you know, confidently who I'm going to pick for the ALCS and NLCS, I'd go. Depends. So I have to think about the seeding, right? Because the Mets and Dodgers would be the buys, and the Braves are the what? The four? They'd be the four, so they'd play the Dodgers. Right. So then at that point, if the Braves play the Dodgers, I'm going Mets, Braves. Mets are my more confident pick to go to the NLCS because you don't have to play the Braves. Um, And I would pick the Braves. Right, because then the Mets get Milwaukee, most likely. Right, and I'd pick right now the Braves to beat the Dodgers. I don't think the Dodgers starting pitching right now is very good. So I'd pick. I don't know. Kershaw and Bueller. Obviously, Bueller's, Bueller's not there. He hasn't been great, but like he's not he's he's, he's just he's, not there. He's hurt. He's hurt. But yeah, but we're not playing the NLCS in uh in July. So right, but I, I don't know. Like I'm taking Strider and Freed over any of their starters outside Gonsolin. of Kershaw. I'm taking the more Gonsolin. ERA, yeah. I'm not gonna get fooled by ERA that hard. I'm I sorry. Bueller, Bueller's Adam. really good. Look, here's the thing. FIP, XFIP, and Sierra stabilize really quickly. ERA does not stabilize. That shit changes so much start in, start out, right? So I'm not going to sit here and get all giddy over. And you remember Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright is also very, very good. Uh, Kyle Wright has yeah. a 297 ERA. Like, he's a great number three. He's better than whatever they've got going for him. And more and I know Urias? has a high ERA. Yeah, he's better than Arias. Yeah, right now I'm taking him over Arias. I I just but then but then you look at the lineup and I trust like the Dodgers have nine hitters who are great great hitters, and you know top what? to bottom. 
the Braves have a great enough position player core where they can beat up on the Dodgers, don't you think? Where they have uh, yeah, but Acuna, like, Swanson, Olsen, Riley. They have Darno, who's a good catcher. They have Ozuna Harris, who's sucks. amazing. Ozuna, Ozuna does Ozuna suck, but you don't sucks. have to play him. You can play Will, William Contreras, who's been great. You can do yeah. He's you know, he's got a 147 plus. He's been great. It's tough. Yeah, we'll, I, we'll see. I think I think all these teams are good, but I just I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think it's a big what we'll see radar. Um, so you know, I guess to wrap up my thoughts here. Um, unlike last year, where I was very confident, you know, Dodgers would be like best team kind of go away, and it, it kind of shows you how the randomness of baseball because they didn't even make the World Series. But um, for the first time, kind of a while, the Dodgers look vulnerable. Um, the Mets and Braves look poised to try to take that from the Dodgers, that top NL spot and kind of secure it. In the American League, the Yankees are trying their hardest to be that one team, that one seed. They're trying their hardest to kind of overcome, kind of beat the, I'm going to say beat the Astro allegations. Um, they've got a great grab on their league. I think the divisions outside this AL Central um, in the American League are wrapped up. It'll be the Astros, the Yankees winning their divisions. Um, NL West, Dodgers are pretty confident win it. Pretty confident the, uh, you know, they win it. I don't know how the NL Central and NL East work out, but, you know, there's a lot of great teams, a lot of great playoff teams here. And uh, the deadline is going to be huge more than ever because there are so many teams that are really close um, to being World Series favorite type teams. Um, and all it takes is one or two guys being added to the roster. All right. I think we're good then. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, and we'll see you guys in episode 62. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.